0: Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message.
1: If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. This morning, we're going to give old Satan a black eye. How would you like to give Satan a black eye? I want to give him a black eye this morning. Amen. We're going to give him a black eye this morning, so I want, you to, I want you to understand something. I want you to really pay attention for just a moment. Satan is going to do everything he can to disturb this fellowship right now, all right? Because what we're about to share with you is going to be some truths that's going to revolutionize your life. No matter whether you have a relationship with Christ or you don't have a relationship with Christ, it can revolutionize your life because truths that will overcome the deception of the enemy, the old deceiver. He is at work. So he's going to try to disturb you. Don't let anything hinder you. Please, if you could, minimize the movement that we have in and out, because every time you move, it might not bother you, but it moves, it bothers somebody else, all right? And he's going to do everything he can to keep you from hearing and us getting the truths that we need this morning. And I want to ask the Lord just to guard that in our hearts and our minds. Let's pray about that now. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit we just fill this place in a mighty way. The enemy has no right here. He has no place here. This is a place that's been set aside and dedicated for your service. You own it. It's everything is yours. And we, those who are redeemed, are yours. And Satan has no place in our heart. So we, in the precious, powerful name of Jesus, banish the enemy from this place. He has no right. And I pray that you would give us a freedom to hear. The truths that transform and the truths that will put aside and overcome the deception that the enemy tries to place in our hearts. Let us see that truth today and let it totally, absolutely change us. For that person who's here who does not have a relationship with Christ, that today would be the day that they are redeemed. Today would be the day they're set free. And they become a part of the family of God. For those of us who are children of God, that we grow in our relationship with you and in our faith walk with you. And we'll know you in a clearer way and therefore strengthen our journey with you. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will do that and be our teacher in this time. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you in the midst of it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be focused on James chapter 1, beginning in verse 5 through verse 18, but I want you to turn to over where in my Bible, turn a page, but it's in verse 16, because this is where, this is really the focus of what James is writing. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So everything he's dealing with from verse 5 through about verse 18 is about this matter of deception, all right? The matter of deception. And who is the great deceiver other than Satan himself? He is the great deceiver. And he is in the process of trying to deceive people. He wants to deceive people. And the greatest deception that Satan can bring about in deceiving, the most effective way that he can deceive, is to deceive and to cause us to have deceptions and to believe falsehoods about who God is. All right? Get that in your mind. That is what he wants to deceive. Above everything else, he wants to deceive you and me about who God really and truly is because if we have misconceptions about God, it will interfere with our relationship and even if we have a relationship with God, it will interfere with our fellowship with God if we believe those lies. Have you ever seen somebody or met somebody the first time, and whenever you saw them the first time, you just kind of surmise whether or not you're going to like them or not? Don't act so holy. Have you ever just met somebody and man, I tell you, I'm not going to like them. I, I, I'm just not going to like that person. I can tell already that we're not going to get along. They're, they're just not anybody I want to say. Only to find out that as you rub shoulders with them and as you fellowship with them, they are nothing like you expected them to be, nothing like you anticipated them to be, and they actually might become good friends of yours and somebody that you enjoy fellowshipping with. But see, whenever you first thought in your mind and first deceived yourself of thinking, that's not who I want to be around or that's not somebody I'm going to like, It interfered with the ability to have a relationship with them and fellowship with them until you knew the truth, right? Well, that's what Satan wants to do in relationship to God. And friend, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, you're not saved, you're not headed for heaven, you don't have that certainty in your heart, then I want you to know Satan is trying to deceive you to keep you from knowing who God truly is And therefore, you will never have a relationship with him. You'll walk through this life lost without Christ. You'll never know the joy of the Lord. That's what he wants to deceive you so you miss out on that salvation. But even those of us who are saved, we have a relationship with God. He wants to hinder us and cause us to believe things that are false about God. Therefore, it hinders our fellowship with God. And we'll hold God at a distance and we'll view God in a certain way that is not what the Bible teaches us about God. It's what the devil wants us to know and believe about God. And it will hinder our ability to walk in faith. That journey we're supposed to have and trusting him and walking in faith, it will stifle that walk of faith that we should have. What I'm simply helping you understand is that Satan is busy trying to deceive you and me about what we know and should know about God in order to hinder our relationship and fellowship with God. So, how do you counteract that? How do you counteract the deception of Satan? Well, James knows how. James knows that the best way to counteract the deception of Satan is to speak forth the truth about God. Who is God? What are things that the Word of God teaches us over and over about God? He's going to teach us those truths today. And I want to give them to you. Now, I'm I'm not going to put them on the board today. You can write them down in your notes, but I will put them online this week. Later this week, I'll put this online regarding the truths that overcome deception. But write these down as we go through them. The first thing I want you to see is this, a truth about God that God is always good. Write that down. God is always good. And this is what it says in verse 17. Verse 17. For every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights. Because God is always good, he always gives good and perfect gifts. Get that in your mind. God is always good. There's no way God cannot be good. He will always and forever be good. He is holy, righteous. He is a good God. Therefore, proceeding out of this good God is always good and perfect gifts. Now, what does that mean that God is a giver of good and perfect gifts? Well, the first thing, God is a giver of good gifts. It means that it appeals to your eye. It's something that you look at and you, and you like. And it's something that when you see it, it is something that's pleasing to you, that you want are you desire that is a good thing you want those things that are pleasing and good to your eye but hold on a second it's not just that it's a good gift it is also a perfect gift that perfect gift is a relationship to what it is not only on the outside but what it is on the inside and what the ultimate purpose of it is that in other words it doesn't just look good on the outside but it's good on the inside It's not just something that appeals to you on the outside, but it's something that's going to be a blessing to you on the inside. God wants to give to you good and perfect gifts. You say, well, I don't know why you have to have good and perfect. Isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. No, it's not. Matter of fact, if we had two people standing up here to give us testimony today, they would tell you that's not the same thing. Who would those two people be? Their names are Adam and Eve. You ever heard of them? Adam and Eve. If Adam and Eve were here today and we were interviewing them and said, now listen, is it only important that something looks good on the outside? You know what they'd say? No. No, that's not good enough. Because why? Because when they looked on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they saw the fruit, it was what? Pleasing to their eyes. But whenever they took and partook of that fruit, was it good and perfect for them? Did it complete them? Was it a blessing for them? Is it what God intended for them? No, it was not. Therefore, it was good to the eye, but it was not perfect, and it was not completing them. It was not a blessing to them. See, God, when God gives a gift, he doesn't just give something that looks good on the outside, but it's also completing you on the inside. It is a blessing for you. You need to get that in your heart and your mind that that's the way God works. Because if you don't, sometimes you're going to see things that are pleasing on the outside, and God's going to say no, and you're going to be upset. God's just mean to me. God won't let me have that. You know why God won't let you have it? Because it might look good on the outside, but it's not going to be a blessing on the inside. Amen? Have your children, parents, have your children, grandparents, have your grandchildren ever looked at you and said, I want this, I want this, but you know it's not the best thing for them. It is pleasing to their eye, but it is not perfecting in their heart. Therefore, because you are a good parent and a loving parent, you will say, you can't have that, and they're not going to understand that because all they want is what's good to their eye, but you know what's best for them. That is God Almighty. You understand? He is a good God, and he's always good. He can't help but be good. There's no other way for him to be other than good. And because he is good, he gives good and perfect gifts. He gives good and perfect gifts. Let me show you how good he is, all right? In verse 18, look at verse 18. Here's how good God is. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. That shows how good God is and how perfect he is. You know how good God is? He created us. The creation of us that we actually are the highest of God's creation. He created us in the image of God. That's a revelation of the good and perfect gift of God. But hold on a second. That's not all. He didn't just create us. He what? When old Adam and Eve messed up. When we all sin, he didn't just create us. He what? He redeemed us. We are twice bought, amen? We're bought through creation and we're bought through redemption. And God is a good God because he created us to begin with. And he's a good God because when we messed up, he redeemed us. How could you ever question the goodness of God? He is a good God who is always good and always gives good and perfect gifts. So write that down in your heart. When old Satan comes along and he tries to make you think anything other than the fact that God is good and that he gives good and perfect gifts to you, you need to defeat that deception by the truth that God is always good. He is always good. Let me share with you something else. He is always generous. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. Here it is. But if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Here it is. Who gives to all men generously and without reproach or regret, and it will be given to him. Here's a great thing about God. He's not just good. He is also generous. It says he gives generously and without regret or without it being a grudging thing. When God gives to us, he gives to us abundantly. Just read in the word of God. it will tell you over and over again. He gives you beyond what you could ever ask or what? Ask or think. He will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. Over and over and over again, it talks about a God who gives abundantly, generously, overflowing blessings. That's what God wants to do. He's not begrudging giving to you, it's the blessing He wants to give to you. He gets the joy of His heart by blessing His children, and He wants to provide for you generously, not just what it takes to get by. Not just barely making it. He wants to reflect his love and your relationship with him by abundantly supplied that you would receive generously from him who's a God who is generous. Amen to that. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen to that. He gives you everything and abundantly and beyond what you could ever think and imagine. That's not all though. God's not only always good and he's always generous. He is also one who never shows favorites. Or as somebody would write it, he is no respecter of persons. God never shows favorites. Let me show you that. It's found there in verse number 5. Listen. But if any one of you lacks wisdom, you hear that? Anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously. Circle that little three-letter word. He gives to who? all men all people generously that means that when God is good and God is generous that he is that way to all people hold on a second that means that God doesn't show favorites he doesn't show favorites he treats us all the same he's no respecter person He he loves me just as much as He loves you, but He also loves you just as much as He loves me. And when He is a giver of good gifts and He gives generously, He's going to give to all of us the same. He shows no favorites. I don't know about you. That's special to me. Have you ever been in a relationship? Have you ever been in a situation where people have shown favorites to other people and it wasn't you? How does that make you feel? I don't know about you, it doesn't make me feel good. I, I remember playing on ball teams sometimes where the daddy was coaching the team, and, and his son, who couldn't hit anything, was always the star. That made me feel real good. I, I remember going and, and having me in a class where the teacher chose favorites. And and Susie Q was always the one who got to do everything. The only time I remember to be a favorite is my teacher put my desk right near hers, (laughs) right next to hers, matter of fact, and she usually gave me extra work to do, like I will not talk, that was because I was her favorite, that's what she told me, (laughs) that I was her, how does it make you feel when somebody is chosen over you? When somebody is treated better than you, when somebody's given privileges that you don't enjoy, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't make you feel good. It makes there be something empty in your heart. And here's the problem. Oh, Satan comes along and he wants you to feel that God has favorites and you're not it. He wants to deceive you to make you think that God loves somebody else more, treats somebody else better, acts some way towards them that says they're his favorite and you're just part of the group. Here's the truth of the matter. God shows no favorites. We are all blessed of God and we're all recipients of the grace of God. And whatever God feels about me, he feels about you. There is no one. There's no one who is outside the grace of God. That's why Jesus went and died in the depths of hell in order to pay the sin for the worst of sinner because you are his favorite. God is always good. He's always good. He's always generous. And he never plays a favorite. You are the one he's chosen. As he chose me, he so chooses you. Fourth thing, God never tempts a person to do evil. You need to write that down. God never tempts a person to do evil. It's found there in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and He Himself does not tempt anyone. Did you hear that truth? God Himself does not tempt anyone to do evil. Now I've heard believers say that. I tell you what, God's tempting me. I'm telling you what, God's laying that out before me. God is testing me in regard to that thing. He's going, to, trying to make me falter, fail. That is a lie of Satan. God never does tempt you to do evil. The purpose of God is never to cause you to falter or fail. If God gives you trials and tests, it is to reveal to you what is like him and to reveal to you your need to be more like him so that his gracious giving and generosity will provide what you need. He never tempts anyone to do evil. Do you know who does tempt you to do evil? Read Ephesians 6, 11. It tells you that old Satan himself is the one who schemes and has the plan to make you falter and fail. He is the old deceiver. So when he is tempting you, and he is causing you to stumble, and he is wanting to hurt you, and he's wanting you to fail, he whispers in your ear, it's God! And if you believe that lie, if you believe that deception, you'll come to believe that God tempts with evil when the word of God and the truth of God says he never, ever will, never has tempted evil. Know that truth about God. Know that truth about God. Because I'm here to tell you, oh, Satan is going to try to make you believe a lie. God is always good. He's always generous. He never shows favor or respect of a person, and he never tempts someone to do evil. Here's another thing. God never changes. He never changes. It's found here in verse 17. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift that is from above coming down from the Father of lights. Listen. Listen. With whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Our God never changes. He is always and forever the same. He is always and forever good. He's always and forever generous. He's always and forever your favorite. He's always and ever never att- he never ever changes. Now that's a problem for some of us. You know why? Because we judge God based on ourselves. Uh Uh-oh. And we judge God based on other people we know. And, And therefore, we make God like us. God's not like us. Bless God, he's bigger than us. Amen? Please do not make God like you or like somebody else. Have you ever met somebody in life? You probably have worked with somebody like this, or you may have somebody in your family that you don't know who you're meeting whenever you're going to meet them that day. You're walking down the hall, you wonder, well, I wonder who they are today. Wonder <laughs> if they're good mood, bad mood. Wonder if they're sad. Wonder if they're depressed. You know what I'm talking about. I see those heads going, yeah, I've met one of those. Let me ask you a question: Have you ever been one of those? <laughs> If you woke up in the morning and said, man, I don't feel real good today. and I'm kind of depressed today. Next day, you're just real happy and excited. The next day, you don't know really who you are. You ever been like that? You ever been like that? We think because we're like that and because we work with people or around people like that, then God must be that way. And so sometimes God gets up in a bad mood. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He never changes. He is always and forever the same is called the immutability of God. The mutation, the mutation means to change. God is immutable. He never, ever changes. God never has to mutate. He's perfect. He never, ever changes. The same God always. Five glorious wonderful foundation truths about God that James says as a child of God and as a person who needs God you need to understand those truths about God if you're going to have a relationship and fellowship and a faith with God you need those truths in your life and old Satan knows that if you know those truths you're going to be liberated so he comes along and he tries to make you believe a lie and, and the, the sad part is he blames God and gets you to blame God for things that are his fault. You ever heard anybody ask the question, why is there suffering? Why is there physical suffering? Why do people die? Why do children suffer? Why is there sin in the world? Why does that happen? Because of old Satan. If you don't believe that, read in your Bibles when you get home, Acts 10, 38. Acts 10, 38. It talks about this, that Jesus came. In order to undo, undo the work of Satan, which is the suffering of people. See, Satan causes all the suffering. Satan and sin causes all the pain. And then he wants to whisper in every ear, it's God who did that. It's God who did that. And isn't it a sad thing that we let the one who did it deceive us to make the one who's good and always good to be the one we blame. And people will blame God, and they're angry at God, and you'll encounter people all the time about God when God is always and forever unchanging, always good, always generous, always a blessing to whomever he will have a chance to bless, never to tempt somebody. That's who God is. And that truth and those truths will liberate you. Now, let me, let me attach that to the rest of these verses that we missed. Let me show you why it's so important. Go back to those verses, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. See, if you, if you will know that God is this kind of God, you will ask God for whatever you need. But if you don't know God that way, you won't ask. And, and he says, just ask God, and God will generously provide what you need. But he said, but whatever you ask, you need to ask with faith. Don't be double-minded. Hold on a second. That's what Satan wants you to be, double-minded. What is double-minded mean? It means you feel two different ways. Well, one day I feel good about God, and, and I know God's good, but in other days I think God's doing things that are bad and, and wrong, and I don't have a full truth about God. And I, I don't really understand about God. I'm kind of confused about that. And if you're double-minded, you will not have answers to your prayers because you don't have faith in the God who's God. You got it? And and that's why he warns you, don't be double-minded. Don't be like the serf that goes to and fro because you're not going to get an answer from God because you don't even have faith in who God is. And and then he says, when it comes to comparing yourself, be careful lest you compare yourself because somebody's got possessions and somebody doesn't have possessions. And and when you start comparing yourself, say, well, God's better to them than God is to me. And God's good to them. And he's showing favors to them and not me. And he says, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. God is always good. He's always generous. And here's the truth of the matter. For those people who don't have as much, they're in a really high position because it's easier for them to believe. And let me tell you something. It's more important to believe, to be poor in this world, and to believe and to have eternity than it is to have the riches of the world and to lose your salvation and lose your life eternally. Amen? So he says the ones who are really blessed are those who don't have much. Because they're looking to other places and they're looking for eternity. And they're finding that. So don't compare somebody else to you. And he also says, and stop believing about God being a tempter. Because see, when you're believing that God's a tempter, you're failing to understand that the real temptation is from the lust of your own heart. And from the old deceiver who comes along to work on the lust of your heart to cause you to falter and fail, and therefore you blame God. See, when you have poor theology and you have a poor understanding of God and you don't know the reality of God, you just fall into all kinds of traps and all kinds of things. But if you'll know the truths of God, you'll have the right relationship and the right fellowship and the right faith. That God is always good, the giver of every good and perfect gift that God is always generous abundantly providing for his children that he shows no favorites that we're all equal to him and he wants to pour out those blessings and he would never tempt you to do evil but he guards your heart in Christ Jesus and that he never ever changes he's the same yesterday today and tomorrow and he for always will be the same and he loved you enough to create you And he sent his son to die for you, that you might be saved. That's how good a God we serve. And those truths overcome deception. Those truths put a black eye on old Satan. And I don't know about you, he deserves a black eye. He deserves to be known for who he is. And he needs to be exposed And we need to realize that we serve a great God. If you don't have a relationship with that God, you need to give your heart to him today. Because he's a good God. And he died on the cross for you. Give your heart to Jesus today. Child of God. You say, "I know I'm saved do you have a close relationship? Will you have a close fellowship with it? you've been letting old Satan come along deceive you and keep you at arm's distance from God because you believe the lie you need to put aside that lie and believe the truth of Almighty God. you're struggling with your faith and, and journey with him struggling and asking believing that God can do it it's because you're having a double mind you need to understand the truth and push aside all the falsehood and let the truth transform you amen and God gives us that word that we would respond to that word, not be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. And I pray we'll do that this morning. Especially if you don't know Jesus, give your heart to him today. Make your fellowship with him what it ought to be. And let the truth of God overcome deception.
0: That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon-series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world.